Welcome to Church is Messy with Rick Henderson. In each episode of this podcast, we will examine and discuss some of the difficult, challenging, and often messy topics associated with church and Christianity and our faith. Whether you are curious, skeptical, and unsure about Jesus, or new to church, or maybe even a longtime devoted follower, this podcast is designed to bring the message of the gospel to the everyday messes of life. Welcome back to the Church's Messy Podcast. Rick, I am excited to be launching this new sermon series on neighboring this this over the next four yeah, weeks with too. you and yeah. to talk about that. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to be an excellent series. Yeah, I, I hope that it is. I've been looking forward to it, and uh, we've got all kinds of new small groups starting up. And yeah. if you're if you, if it's still week one, it's not too late. You can join a small group that's going to be tracking along uh, with this message series. It's only a four-week commitment, and if you're like, I don't know if I want to be around strangers or go to somebody else, it's, it's just four weeks. You can do it. Yeah. You can do it. Can I say more about that? Because I'm please. really excited about small groups mm-hmm. right now and the opportunity that this series is for small groups, because this is the first of what we hope will be an ongoing part of our church rhythm to bring small groups in on specific material for them to go a little bit deeper into application of a sermon series. Mm-hmm. Our hope is that we're going to do this three-ish times a year when we're sure. bringing small groups together where we can mm-hmm. all be focused in on the same material at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then there's there's rhythms in between of time when groups can maybe focus on on needs for fellowship or take a break or, or whatever it is that their small group chooses to do in that time, but uh, mm-hmm. but I'm excited for this as the Neighboring Series kicks off this vision for small one, group material. It's one of those cool times that we all get to row in the same direction together, mm-hmm. and there's real there's there's a lot of excitement, um, and there's just a lot of good that comes out of that sort of thing. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. so like you mentioned, people can join a small group. It's not too late. You can go to autumnridge.church, and one of the first tiles you'll see there will have all of the, uh, the opportunities there to join a neighbor small group. But even for people who aren't in a small group, maybe this just isn't the right season for your family's life or whatever it is, all of the small group material and discussion questions are available to everyone. It's not sure. just for the exclusive club of people in groups. Even if you just have a friend and like, hey, can we let's just can we talk about this together? Uh-huh. Uh, if you if you guys don't have time to jump into a small group, you could do that. I mean, yeah, that'd sure. be great. So people can find that if they go, again, autumnridge.church on the messages tab. There's a box there that has resources to go deeper in the message. And if you click on that tile there, you'll be able to access small group discussion material. There's some intro videos to each of these sermons. Uh, So we highly recommend that people go there if they want some more material to really engage with this series. That's right. I think we need to be honest about what we're doing today. Uh, We've got things a little bit out of order. I think it'll still work. Uh, But we are recording this before I actually give the message. Normally, this podcast comes as a discussion piece after the message. We're trying to do, we for a variety of reasons, we had to record before the message. Do you think it'll still be worthwhile? I think it might even be better because this gives you an opportunity now without uh, being a week into it. You're looking at the whole thing as a whole right now. How about this? Could you give us a bit of an overview of this? 
four-week series and, uh, you know, greatest hits that we should be expecting? Sure. One of the things that uh, comes to mind immediately for me when we talk about what Jesus had to say about loving other people and being a neighbor is we see the genius of Jesus just taking him... Let's just say, hey, you don't want to believe in the resurrection. You don't believe... You're not sure if you want to trust the Bible. You're not sure if you're into this whole Christianity thing. You could be all over the map. Uh, people could be all over the map on uh, different places, spiritually, worldview. But if but if people just took seriously what Jesus said about loving people and being a neighbor, it would change the world. Mm-hmm. It is revolutionary. And one of the things that I was thinking about getting ready to this is, is that the children's show that I watched, I bet you watched it growing up, Mr. Rogers. Oh, yeah. You know, you see the power of just kindness and, uh, and, and being a neighbor. And this is a guy who shaped uh, the thinking uh, of, of so many children and really had a huge impact on culture just by modeling what it's like being a great neighbor. Yeah. And what happens in neighborhoods when people treat each other with respect and kindness? What happens in cities and communities when people do that? What happens in your workplace? What happens in your church? What happens in whatever uh, social arena that you're in when people are just like, you know what, we're going to treat you with dignity and kindness? Uh, it is revolutionary. This alone, this alone would change the trajectory of human history if we just took what Jesus said seriously. So I'm excited to talk about that. Week one, uh, it's the uh, it's the story of the uh, of the Good Samaritan, and uh, the week two is uh, Zacchaeus and Jesus's engagement with him. Uh, week three, uh, the message is called "Take It to the Limit." We're going to look seriously at what Jesus had to say about hey. When someone asks you to go one mile, go with them too. And if you don't really know what that's about, we're going to unpack what that's about. But let me give you a little bit of a preview. <laughs> if we take Jesus seriously, if we choose to love other people in the way that he loves us and the way that he leads us to love, are we opening ourselves up to being taken advantage of mm. and to being exploited? Yeah. Yeah, we are. That's a little scary. Okay. Well, we're going <laughs> to jump into that together on, on week three. And by the way, we're going to take a break uh, for Mother's Day. And so we're going to have a uh, celebrating celebrating the moms on, on, on Mother's Day. So we're not preaching the neighboring series uh, that week. And then the final seri- week is we're calling it... Uh, uh, my Jesus likes to party. And that's, <laughs> that's not, awesome. That's not necessarily an homage to Talladega Nights, but I did have that in mind because we see Jesus at parties. We see Jesus going to parties. I don't want my kids going to. Uh-huh. What was he like? Mm. What we think Jesus was like at a party shapes what we think we ought to be like mm. in everyday life, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It has significant impact and import, and I'm ready to talk about that one. But the first week <laughs> is the okayest commandment. Okay, well, before you talk about the first week, let me just yeah. ask you a question here about how what our mindset should be about neighbors and, and this whole idea of what we are like in our neighborhoods. Y- you, were, you were casting this beautiful vision of how we could transform mm-hmm. our community if we just did what Jesus told us to do. But let me get practical here. Yeah. So I live way out in the country. Mm-hmm. I'm out on a gravel road. I think I have three neighbors within a it's square great. mile. It's so great. does I, that mean I, I only to have go to worry play, about three people? <laughs> I got to go play with chainsaws with your husband and cut down trees, and, and, and it was great stuff. You, you, Our place can be a bit of a man playground. It, it's great. It's, fan, it's fantastic. 
So does that does that exclude me from uh, from really having yeah, this neighbor? Yeah, you're out. I'm you not don't really have to. in a neighborhood. <laughs> this is, uh, you know, Jesus's command about loving your neighbors is all about proximity. <laughs> and if you're not close to people, you don't got to do it. So if you live in a city, uh, man, joke's on you. <laughs> it's really hard to be a Christian for you. If you live out in the country, it's a lot easier to be a Christian. Yeah, it's... <laughs> to be clear, you are being sarcastic I'm being right sarcastic, now. yeah. <laughs> Being, following this command is not about proximity. It's more about our disposition towards people. And even if you live out in the country and you're not around people that much as far as your place of residence, you're not a hermit. Uh-huh. You're you're encountering people. And, and I don't want to give away too much. Actually, because people are listening to this after the message, I can give away as much as I want. Yeah. Um, it, it, this, is, this is another area where we see the genius of Jesus. Because... So you got this guy, he's a he's a lawyer, and we shouldn't think of lawyer like uh, Law and Order, or we shouldn't think of Johnny Cochran or some anything like that. This is a guy who is a expert in religious law, mm-hmm. and he's asking Jesus, so who's my neighbor, right? And that is the wrong question, because if we think about it, well, who is my neighbor? Well, if you're extroverted, it's probably going to be harder for you than introverted people, because extroverted... Mm-hmm. People love to be in crowds and love to be around people, and introverts tend to with tend to withdraw. So the extroverts are going to be around more people. So mm-hmm. does that mean that that they have more of a command? Uh, oh, I see uh, what you're saying. Uh, more uh-huh. more of a more of an obligation than people who tend to be a little bit more isolated. Does it mean that people who live in cities because they're just naturally around more people um, have a, a a little bit more of a burden and urgency to carry out than people who live in a rural area. Of course, that's not the case. It's not about who is your neighbor. It's about, are you a neighbor? Mm -hmm. And what is your disposition towards other people? And are you inclined to love other people the way that Jesus loved you? And as you are loving other people to not treat them like the other, Mm -hmm. but to just treat them as someone else who is made in the image of God who you are equal to at the foot of the cross, and it is your privilege to love and serve them in the way that Jesus loved and served you. And so it's just it's just that kind of orientation. And and I suppose this could be the kind of message series where we list out all kinds of things you should be doing. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a room full of smart people, um, and I don't think that they need... Uh, I don't think any of us need a list of rules of things to do to now go be a good neighbor. Just change the way that you think. Mm. Change the lens through which you see your interactions with people. And change the way that you see yourself. It's an identity issue. See you yourself go. as a neighbor, and you're going to know what to do. It Listen, it's going to explode the 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 vibrancy of opportunities that you see it's going to be like going from black and white and sd to 4k hd full color you're going to see all kinds of opportunities in which you get to express love and kindness to those around you you don't that's need somebody exciting. to tell you what to do yeah that's very exciting but i don't mind giving a few handholds like some starters here's well, a starter okay no people's names <laughs> It's going to be really hard. I think. I think we even quote uh, quote from this book, uh, "The Art of Neighboring," uh, in week one. Did you uh, want to clarify that a little bit? This the the role yeah, that this book has yeah, played in the series. Yeah, there's a book um, uh, called "The Art of Neighboring" that that we've read. We think there's some great stuff in it. It's, the messages aren't really based on what we read in the book, but how we're approaching this series has been influenced by what we read uh, in the book. One of the things we're encouraging people to do is to is to mix it up. I mean, get out there and do something social. Uh, 
uh, maybe with your small group and you're inviting people in or maybe uh, doing a block party uh, in your neighborhood, uh, but really uh, thinking about the role and the importance, uh, the identity feature of being a follower of Jesus and seeing ourselves as a neighbor to all people that we engage. Uh, this book is a helpful resource mm-hmm. to, to think about that with some real clarity and some real practical steps. Um, so to be clear yep. again, we are going to be addressing some practical issues about how we approach people in our neighborhood, how we engage with the people that are living around us, but yes. it's not just about this. Yeah, this it's is not going a to set go... of rules. It's not going to give you this rubric of, okay, do this, don't do that. Okay, I've done three out of four. I guess I'm a pretty good neighbor. Now, it's not It's not going to be anything like that, mm-hmm. uh, but it will be practical. I mean, the, the hope is uh, the intent is that these messages are are practical, but it's really going to be wrestling down. What does it mean to be a neighbor? Can we talk about this greatest commandment idea a little bit? Mm-hmm. Uh, this comes from Luke 10, right before the Good Samaritan parable gets kicked off when this lawyer comes to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Specifically, it, it gives us this juicy tidbit that he's coming to Jesus to kind of test him, yeah. to, to stick it to him a little bit mm-hmm. and to see how Jesus this summarizes This guy does not law. like Jesus. Mm. And he wants to put Jesus on the spot. He wants to expose Jesus. Uh, this is a guy who knows that he's smart. Mm. This is a guy who probably is the smartest guy in the room in most rooms that he's in. Mm-hmm. And he's ready to make Jesus look dumb. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus summarizes the law in his little mic drop moment here mm-hmm. as saying, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, it's fascinating to me that we talk a whole lot about loving God, Mm -hmm. but we don't tend to talk about loving our neighbor nearly as much. And Jesus holds these two together as the complete picture of what it means to live in a way that pleases God. So Yeah, so in a tongue-in-cheek way, the week one is titled The Okayest Commandment. We yeah, know it's part that. of the greatest commandment, but we have a way, I, I'll just speak for me, I have a way of treating it like a pretty okay, yeah. pretty great commandment. We don't disagree. Yeah, don't disagree, <laughs> but I mean, is it really defining me? Probably not. Um, I, I would I would like for it to, I'd like for it to define me, uh, to define me better. Mm-hmm. Um by the way, I live in a neighborhood with at least two Autumn Ridgers, uh, two Autumn Ridge families, and they are great neighbors. Uh-huh. I mean, they are fantastic neighbors. And I'm like, they should be preaching this. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> should have a poster with their with their photos on it uh, around. There. I think they're they're great neighbors. And if you're listening to this and you're like, man, Rick, I'm in your neighborhood too, and <laughs> and, and you know, you've got more than just two Autumn Ridge families. In it. Well, either you're a bad neighbor, or I'm a bad neighbor because we haven't crossed paths yet. So we need to meet each other on the street. Well, you didn't give names. They don't know who you're referring oh, Jim, to. Jim Baber and his wife Kenna are in my neighborhood, <laughs> and Wade and Jennifer Oren live right across right across the street. Those are good people. They are fantastic. <laughs> Everybody needs a neighbor like like those people. They're they are amazing. And uh, so if you're in my neighborhood and you're like, "I'm I live there too." Either you're a bad neighbor, or I'm a bad neighbor because we haven't we haven't <laughs> we haven't crossed paths yet. So let's Well, maybe this will be the time. Yeah. But but get back to this idea. If the greatest commandment is to love God and yeah. to love our neighbor, why do you think it is that the the second half of that is so often neglected? Yeah, because you know what? It's hard for you to invalidate my statement, I love God. Who are you? Who are you to question that? Uh But if you say, okay, sure, 
tell me how you love your neighbor. Like, cause I, I'm not seeing it. I'm not yeah. seeing it. Yeah, that's challenging. And I, I, you know, again, we're recording this ahead of time. I'm thinking about, there's a story that I'm thinking about telling um, the guy that I, that I had to lovingly lead when I was a very young youth pastor. He was much older than me, but he was scheduling himself out of obedience. He was so busy serving at the church. He was not um, fulfilling his requirements to, to love at home. Mm. And he's just scheduling himself out of obedience. And it's easy to be to hide behind religiosity. Mm. It's easy to hide behind religious devotion and religious busyness and to actually be really distant from the people who are so close to you. And, and I don't totally understand that. Um, I just see it. And I don't think I have to be able to explain it to recognize it. Um, so that that's part of it. You know, I again, when I think about this, I have... I've been a professional Christian for a while now, been, been, been a pastor. And so uh-huh. I've been uh, I've been interviewed by a few churches. I've actually been interviewed uh, by churches on multiple continents. Uh, I've preached in churches on multiple continents. I, I've sat in elder board meetings. I've sat in church council meetings. I've been in accountability groups and I small groups. I assume you're not saying this to brag here right now. No, this is, <laughs> Where are this you is, headed with this? <laughs> you know what? This is not like Paul saying I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I'm an evangelical of the evangelicals. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, this is my background. You know what's never happened? What? Never once, never once in my life has someone ever said, hey, how are your relationships with your neighbors? Ooh. No uh-huh. one's ever asked me that. And I don't raise that to say, man, y'all a bunch of bad Christians. Y'all need to get it together. <laughs> you know what I've never done? I've never asked anybody that question sure. either. I've interviewed all kinds of pastors uh, uh, to, to evaluate whether or not we were going to hire them. Um, I've worked alongside uh, some great men and women of God. I've been uh, the guy asking questions in small groups and accountability groups. I've never asked that question. Yeah. What's wrong with me? <laughs> What's... What's wrong with my discipleship? Why is it why is it that I look at this greatest commandment and have a tendency to treat it like the okayest commandment? Mm-hmm. There's something inside of me that I got to wrestle down. Mm. Can we talk a little bit about the Good Samaritan parable and, sure. and where Jesus goes with this whole question? Because mm-hmm. when the lawyer comes to him and, and he follows this up with basically trying to limit the scope of what the expectations would be on him by asking Jesus, well, okay, so who is my neighbor? Define yeah. define my role here. Yeah. And that launches this parable. Yeah, Jesus tells this tells this story, and I think Jesus is telling the story to say, wrong question, bro. Uh, and one of the things that I hope that we do a good job of making clear in the weekend is uh, the questions that we ask frame the kind of answers that we get. Mm. And we should pay attention to what the questions are that we ask and why we ask those questions. Mm-hmm. You know, we're given some insight in this in this interaction as he was trying to justify himself. So he asked a question looking for justification or if Jesus confronted him that he had already framed it in such a way that he can now counter Jesus. And so we're going to see some kind of we're, we're going to basically see spiritual kung fu here. He's <laughs> he's gearing up 
he's gearing up for an argument. And Jesus just puts the pin back in the grenade. No, we're not doing that. I don't play by your set of rules because you don't get to set the rules. You're not the authority here. And so Jesus does what he does all the time. He tells this great, engaging story, uh, draws people in. And the first, so you got this guy, he's on this well-known road that's very dangerous, and uh, he's beaten and left for dead, and you've got a uh, you've got a priest who comes, and he just passes over the guy. Mm-hmm. You get a Levite who comes and just passes over the guy. Then you have a Samaritan who comes. And I don't know if we can totally, totally engage in that. It'd be like Jesus at a at a pastor's conference, right? Uh-huh. And telling this story, and and Jesus says, "All right, so you got this guy, and he's on he's on the road, and he's been he's been mugged, and he's there, and he's dying, and he needs some help. And you got uh, lead pastor comes by, doesn't help. Then you got the chairman of the elder board comes by, doesn't help. Hang with me now. And then you got a Mormon that comes by, mm. and this guy is the example." of kindness and love and service and generosity. And yeah, that would get the hair on the back of the neck to stand up just a little bit yeah, for a couple of reasons. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, Samaritans um, were despised because they were not ethnically pure. Mm-hmm. And come on, we know that uh, racism and racial tension have been a part of human history from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see that between... Uh, Jewish people and the Samaritans, but it wasn't just that. It was they were they they had their own place of worship. They had their own kind of set of where they had deviated from Orthodox from the Orthodox Jewish Jewish faith. Mm-hmm. And maybe you would say they had the same vocabulary, but a different definite di- different dictionary. We would say those who are Mormons that they have the same vocabulary, but different dictionary. Mm-hmm. When they say Jesus, they have a different definition. When they say Heavenly Father, they have a different definition. When they talk about heaven, they have a different definition. When they talk about grace, it's a different definition. Mm-hmm. We use the exact same words and phrases to define our different faiths, but the definitions behind those words or phrases are very different. Mm-hmm. That's a helpful parallel between how they would have viewed Samaritans and how we might relate to that in a current day context. Absolutely, absolutely. And so this guy who would have been despised is the one who's elevated to hero status mm-hmm. in the story. And one of the things that I think Jesus is trying to make clear is believing what is true is not enough. Hmm. Acknowledging what is true is not enough. Recently, I listened to a podcast between two thinkers who I really like. One is a pastor. um, One is not a believer. They're both authors, great thinkers. And um, the conversation went kind of evolved into, not explicitly, but kind of evolved into is, is Christianity primarily a belief system or a value system, hmm. um, and I understand that question. And I, in some ways, I think it's a good question. In other ways, I think it's not a helpful question because it's not belief system versus value system. It's both. We have to know the truth and also love the truth. And the truth is a person, mm-hmm. and loving that person leads us because we know the truth to love all other persons who mm-hmm. are made in his image. Um, so it, it's belief and values. It is, it's belief and, and actions based on 
our affections all at the same time. And you should not disentangle one from the other. And the religious leaders and that that religious lawyer had done that. He wanted to make it all about um, belief and then rule keeping. Yeah. And Jesus said, that's not what it's about. Yes, you have to know the truth, but it's primarily about love. It's, it's loving God who is the authority, loving others who are made in his image. You cannot disentangle the two, but we want to. So when Jesus describes the actions of the Samaritan, how do we see the Samaritan loving this man that needed his help? What what are the what are the things we can grab onto from how he did this well? This is this, this is where I think the the those of you who work in the in the medical community, I you understand it a lot better than I do. I remember that when uh, my daughter decided that she was going to go to college to pursue nursing, there was a nurse who who said, "You you, you is she comfortable touching people? Because you got to touch people." Hmm. And this guy, he was dirty, but he wasn't just dirty. He was he was bloody. It was gross. Mm-hmm. Can we? Can we? Can I say that? Yeah. He was. I listen. He. He was. It was gross. And 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 yet this guy who did not know him got down and touched him and cared for him. Had to be tender with him. Had to do his best not to uh, exacerbate the injuries, uh, but to but to care for those injuries. Carried him to 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 an end to where he could be uh, better cared for to ensure. Okay, now we got a system that's going to support ongoing care. And then I, I listened to a guy recently said basically left an open tab whatever it costs to care for this guy i'll pay it i'll be back whatever you have to spend spend it you know one of the things i love so much about what's depicted in this story is Mm -hmm. not that this man came in as the white knight and took the wounded person into his own home and and did all of these things to make the wounded man dependent on him yeah but he actually did the opposite. He did all of the things that would help the wounded man regain his own independence. Yeah. And, and I think that's a helpful mindset that as we're seeking to love others mm-hmm. in our neighborhood or in the, mm-hmm. the places where we encounter others, we don't have to necessarily fix 100% of their problems Mm-mm. or Mm-mm. or Mm-mm. or cross boundaries that might not be mm-hmm. appropriate for us, but that we're doing the things that help them regain their health, their independence. Yeah, um, I, I love that, and and we could, I mean, we could, we could chase that trail and, and to talk about all kinds of wise and very, very important things. But fundamentally, I think what we're seeing is that a neighbor is someone when they see a need, they'll say, "I'll serve that." Mm-hmm. Maybe I can't serve all of it, but uh, I will give who I am and what I have to serve that. And and that gets to the genius of Jesus' yeah. question, not about who is my neighbor, but are you being a neighbor? Yeah, yeah. Uh, as I as I listen and read this story, I think be careful who you idolize, and be careful who you despise. Mm. Um, uh, part of this implication of the story me might mean you got the wrong heroes, and you got the wrong examples, um, and you despise the wrong people. Um, and so to, to really, to really get honest about the lens through which we see people, um, I want Jesus's lens. I want to see people how Jesus, uh, sees people. Um, and I I think that's part of, I think that's part of being a, being a neighbor. And then ultimately, and this is, Jesus isn't just giving us a, a really serious command. And he's, when he's telling that story, he's not just totally shredding this dude publicly. Although 
Jesus shredded him publicly. <laughs> Jesus is saying, I'm the good Samaritan. I'm the one who you despise, and I am paying everything for you. Mm. I'm putting it all on the line for you. And it wouldn't be that long before Jesus actually went to the cross mm. and did that. So last week in the Easter message, we talked about identity mm-hmm. and how recognizing that it's all about what Jesus did, not about what we do. Mm-hmm. How does that concept of gospel truth enable us then sure. to be a good neighbor? Sure. Yeah. When we talk about, I find joy in defining myself by what Jesus did for me, not what I do. It doesn't mean that I don't do anything. It just means that what I do doesn't define me. What define me comes first. And so it's identity first, activity second, not activity first, identity second. Mm-hmm. Should I say that again? It's not what I do determines who I am. It's who I am determines what I do. Yep. Okay? Who I am is defined by the gospel. It's defined by what Jesus accomplished, by him being enough, everything he did. And so I find my security in that, find my sense of self-worth being enough, and that it's all based on him. That's how I see myself. It's now how, how I see the world. And there's utter joy in that. Now, from that position, not, not needing anything from Jesus because he's already given me everything, um, not needing anything from others because I've already received everything in Jesus. I can give without needing or demanding other things in return. I can give in a way and love in a way that it's not transactional. Yes, of course, we want people to love us back, and it is good, and it's a it's it's a kind of relational need, mm-hmm. but it's not an ultimate need because that is that is fulfilled in Christ. So even if a person never says thank you, even if a person is never kind to me in return, even if somebody else is only a taker, it doesn't change who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can draw from a much deeper source. That's right. That's than, right. Than any human could ever give us. And people might say, Rick, what you're talking about, it's just not natural. You're right. It doesn't come naturally. Mm-hmm. This comes to us supernaturally. It only happens by being in relationship with him. And you have the spirit. Of, if you are in Christ, you have the spirit of God in you. You are not alone. Mm. This is maybe a little bit of a 90 degree question, but mm-hmm. the thing that comes to mind when you're saying that is, is what do you do in your own life or or what what tools can we employ to fill ourselves up that way so that we have God's love to give others? Yeah, I, I am amazed at my own capacity to forget or to become numb to it. Hmm. And so I, I have to, for me, other people's rhythms can be different, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna judge that. Uh, for me, it starts at five thirty, and I, I just get up and I just need my quiet time, uh, just me and a couple of cups of coffee, and 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 I and I've got my little rhythms. But but what's included in that time before everybody gets up and before I before I start my day is just time in the Word mm-hmm. and time in time in prayer. And I it is it is unfortunate, it is depressing, it is sickening how quickly. <laughs> I can forget and become numb mm. to God's graciousness and his love for me. And so I just need that every day, every day reminder. This it this is this is how this is this is how I'm starting. Other people, uh, maybe they could do it midday, maybe they can do it in the evening. I don't think you're more spiritual if you do it in the morning, afternoon, evening, or whatever. It's nothing like that. That is the only that's the only routine that really works 
that really works for mm-hmm. me. And so, but I really think that it requires it requires personal time, just me getting alone, uh, me getting alone with the Lord and His Word. Uh, we see that through heroes of the faith. I, right now, I'm in a Bible study with some friends on Tuesday nights. We see that in a guy like Daniel. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. see that. Uh, in the example of Jesus, and I would say, just make that make that a part of make that a part of your daily routines and habits. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and we should mm-hmm. probably expect to run dry in trying to be a good neighbor if we aren't refilling ourselves with being focused on God mm-hmm. and the truth of His Word to fill us back up again. We, yeah. This isn't the kind of lifestyle mm-hmm. that we're going to be able to sustain on our own power. It's it's not human instinct to just selflessly love other people the way that God has loved us. I was listening to to a pastor and Bible teacher uh, this uh, this morning. And he said, if you try to do this in your own power, once you get uh, in, a, in a series of three to five just kind of hard relationships, you're done. Mm. You will be out of it. And, and some people have, I know there are people who have greater capacity for this than I do. But if it's just me, I'm probably, he's probably right. Maybe it's two. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but we're all we're all gonna we're all gonna run out of steam. And uh, and that's okay. We weren't designed to do this alone. We were made for a relationship. Ultimate reality is ultimately about relationships. God is a triune being, one in being, three in persons. He has been in full-on delight and joyous friendship for all eternity. We are made in his image to reflect what that is like. We are made for community and friendship with him and with each other. And that part of the tyrannical absurdity of sin is that it isolates mm. and it breaks us away from relationship with God and ultimately with with each other. And you know what? I can't fix that on my own. Mm-hmm. And so this is why this is why that uh, that routine for me is so important, just to spend time uh, with God to to remind me, to reorient me, to to refill me, because I really do want to be connected with Him and with each other. And I just want to encourage other people to, if that's not part of your routine, experiment with it. And see if you don't discover that life is so much better with that kind of routine. Yeah, great idea. Um, as we close this out, we're just at the beginning of the series. I wonder if you might help orient us a little bit to what you hope the outcome of this series will be. What what effect do you hope the neighboring series has on Autumn Ridge and on our community? Yeah, in no particular order. Uh, one, I'd love for uh, folks who are who are who are partnering with us. Who are, who are coming to Autumn Ridge, listening online, or are here in uh, uh, physically present and attendance, that we would all really take our next steps with seeing ourselves in Christ and as a neighbor. Uh, two, I'd love for people to discover just how awesome the friendships uh, uh, can be that they can make in small group. Yeah, give give yourself a shot. Uh, give other people give other people a shot. Just just discover that uh, we're going to have a big church party the final uh, week of the series. I think it's May twenty second, and we're calling it a block party. Uh, we're going to invite a couple of neighborhoods that are close by our campus to to join us. And and That'd I just really hope that people are just like, you know what? They are great neighbors. It's great having them near our neighborhood. We love having them around because they are kind and fun people. I'd love that. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. And I'd like to give just one more plug for small groups. If you're still interested in small groups, another easy way to connect with us is just send us an email at smallgroups at autumnridgechurch.org, and we'd be happy to help you get plugged in. 
Well, Rick, I think this series is going to be not just a lot of fun, but but probably as challenging mm-hmm. as uh, as most of the series have been sure. in really forcing us to look deep within ourselves. Are we being a good neighbor and what does that mean? And I'm excited to dig into this one. All right. Thanks, Faya. Thank you for listening to Church is Messy with Rick Henderson. Church is Messy is a registered trademark of Rick Henderson, and this podcast is produced by Robert Nash. Our sound engineer is Josiah Novinger. Our theme song is Bring It. Follow us on Instagram at ARC underscore R-O-C-H. Email us with any questions you might have or topics you would like explored in future episodes at churchismessy at autumnridgechurch.org. For more information on Autumn Ridge Church in Rochester, Minnesota, please visit us online at autumnridge.church. Thank you for listening.